always say that, you know, education and, and research is, is always key. If there's something you want to learn more of or, or get on is, is, you know, double down your efforts on, on the understanding of what it is you're trying to do. Um, I always say that's, that's the, the best way. Sometimes, you know, information, the right information can, can be a game changer and it's out there. Right. And it's just about, it's about locating it. It's about getting it um, into your, into your hands and into your mind to, to use um, outwardly. And that's, you know, that could be a mentor that could be, um, you know, a business uh, strategy coach that could be, you know, anybody, a book. And, and it's just about getting it and, and then applying it. So, you know, get the knowledge and then apply what you're learning um, into your business. Right. Everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have a, another great uh, expert episode today where we get to talk a, a lot about a lot of things, and it'll be with uh, Juan Caradagi, if I can say the name as at least as close as I can to being correct. Um, but some of the things we'll uh, talk about is, uh, you know, the strategy of business and how you do competitive and in industry analysis and strategic planning and implementation and how to get into or how to get into making a mark and business culture and how to build a team, people or people process and systems, positioning your business and setting yourself apart how to expand your business via acquisition and then exit or looking at exit strategies for acquisition and maybe a little bit of finding your place with other business partners. A lot of good things that we'll hopefully have a, t- or a bit of time to chat about. And with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Quan. Devin, thanks for having me on, man. Um, a lot of topics I gave you there. Hopefully we'll be able to do them all justice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Always plenty of fun things to talk about. So before we dive into the, the topic and the expertise at hand, uh, maybe just uh, for those of you that haven't uh, heard the original uh, episode, definitely make sure to go back and listen to a little bit of uh, Quan's journey and uh, his inventive journey episode um, that's uh, uh, a little while back. And then, uh, but uh, for those that either haven't caught up on those episodes or unwilling to go back and listen, which I definitely invite them to do, give yourself or give it just a, a quick introduction as to who you are and a little bit about your background. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, you know, I, I started off in, in fitness as a, um, a personal trainer, you know, in the um, original podcast, we kind of talked about the journey before that, which was a lot of, you know, kind of finding my way. And then going into, you know, personal training was um, sort of the way that I found what I wanted to do. And I enjoyed the, you know, um, passion and purpose, if you will, uh, married together there. So from fitness, got into, you know, management, um, stick, stuck with fitness there, and then met business partners. And we kind of opened, um, oh, well, we did open uh, a few gyms and went on to the business owner route. So, uh, you know, personal trainer or gym rat, if you will, personal trainer, fitness manager, and then business owner. So, um, you know, it was, it was the learning of, it, of both of them, which was the fitness and business side that kind of led me to where I am today. No, definitely makes sense. And so now is now now with that much as a, a bit of an introduction and kind of as a, a background, jumping into the, the topic at hand, one of the things that we'd uh, talked a lot about or, or before the episode was on, uh, you know, doing a competitive and industry analysis and so talk a little bit about what that what first of all, what that means. I mean, I think people in general get, hey, I should probably understand what's going on in the industry, or, you know, what my competitors are doing, but why does it matter? What does it make sense? And what does it involve? 
You know, it's a great question. We were looking at, um, just to give you an idea, finding our first gym took us about um, 150 locations, right, to, to scout and look for. And um, we always, you know, you have a franchise team backing you with Anytime Fitness. So we, we would look for the, the, you know, demographics of, obviously, you know, um, as an industry is, you know, is there demand for, um, for your product, right? Uh, can you make it in this, in this industry? Um, you know, and is it viable? Do you have a viable competitive position with your competition, right? So for us, it was big box gyms. So, you know, um, any type of studios, boutiques, you know, and, and things like that. So analyzing kind of the landscape of what you're trying to get into and what your positioning and offer is, right? Um, you know, for us, it was looking at uh, demographics, right? So uh, population per one mile, um, a median income, and then looking for, you know, competition nearby, how far, how close was competition? And what were they doing right? What were they not doing so well? And where, where did we fit in in between where we could have, you know, snagged some of the market share uh, in between that? And, and that's kind of what you want to find where it aligns your product with the demand of, of today. So it's really just analyzing uh, the industry, your competitors, what they do, and, and you know, um, just being real honest about it and saying, you know, is this product viable? So with, with the brand, we had brand recognition, we had support versus a mom and pop gym where you, you kind of don't have that. So you have a little more work cut out for you. And, and that's kind of the scope of the, of the analysis portion there. And obviously the one, the, one a couple of questions. So, cause first of all, 152 locations is quite a few locations. And so what was it that, you know, so you go through 152 and get, had a few questions on it. What was the one that out of, when you finally got to the 152nd or 153rd, the one that you finally decided on, what were the criteria? What did you look at? And what set it apart from the 151 or 152 other locations that weren't weren't right for you? You know, it's a great question. We look for you want enough parking, right? So no one wants to go to the gym and not have parking, right? You, you don't want to drive around and and do that. So no, that was number one. Number two, size of the location, right? So is it like in a good visibility? Does it have the, um, you know, good anchors next to it, like anchor shops, such as like, you know, a big supermarket where you'll get a lot of foot traffic, right? Um, and number three and four would, would be, you know, the area in itself, is it easily accessible? Um, is it like what we like to call home run gym? You know, is it a lot of, cars driving by is there a lot of you know again visibility and um you know the the way that you build out right because construction is important so how much would that cost you know because these these constructions or these build outs you know can get closer to the million dollar mark as you start to build interior gyms and um you don't want to go too much into debt trying to build your dream gym. Um, and because we've seen that happen with other other owners as well. And you just, you end up being tied to that loan and to that rent. So the rent model was also important in that analysis saying, okay, how many members do we need to break even? And is this viable? And is it sustainable? And can we do it? You know. Now, one a couple of follow-up questions to that. So once you 
do that, you know, how, now what period of time were you doing this through? In other words, when you're doing it, a competitor analysis, looking at all these locations, was it a matter of a few days, a few weeks, a few months, or how long did you take as you were finding that perfect location? You know, as far as the gyms are concerned, when we got into it, we knew that they were already there and coming from big box gyms, all of us, we worked for, you know, corporate gyms and the capabilities of the competitors uh, was kind of just already the writing on the wall. We knew they have million dollar market marketing spends and, um, you know, uh, outreach and just more capabilities and resources at their disposal. Right. So um, with that knowledge, we knew right away that that's what kind of what we were up against. So we knew the gyms. So the competitor analysis kind of we already knew what they were already doing. Right. So the only thing I was going to differ differentiate us was as a small business was to you know bootstrap more guerrilla style more and do the things that large corporations took longer to do right so innovate and just kind of um you know band together and just be more adaptable and flexible in the process so uh that that's that's what helped us and then you know when we really got down we said okay what ads or promotions are they running what's their price point um, what training things do they offer that we can kind of take and reformulate or repurpose? Um, so, you know, using existing models and and finding, you know, what the, the problem is with that model and how can we improve upon it, right? Can we do no contracts? Can we do lower uh, monthly payments? So that flexibility is key in the small business. Now, one, one kind of follow-up question to all that, because it sounds like you guys looked at a ton of locations, did a ton of research, really understood both the market as far as what you guys should be looking at independent of competition as far as location and ge or geography, as well as with competition, how that all factors in. Now, how did you go about getting all that information? In other words, it sounded like, you know, you looked at locations, you looked at average income, you looked at demographics, you looked at, you know, what is their surrounding, what are competitors doing, which is great and it's a lot of data, but how did you even go about finding out that you hired a third-party firm and they did it all for you? You bootstrapped and did it yourself. You went and knocked doors and asked people, hey, how much money do you make? Or how did you kind of go about figuring a lot of that information out to make the best decision you could? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. So, you know, in the beginning there, the, the you know beauty of a franchise, I, I like franchises, is because of the support network they give you, right? So you get a real estate team and that real estate team, you know, maps out everything and how it's looking and if it matches these key metrics that they kind of go after, which is the parking, the, the median income, these these type of areas, right, where you want to come into. And so we had a lot of that done for us. And then, you know, any landlord, anybody that's kind of, you, you uh, go out to show interest in, we'll provide you a demographics report. And then we also did an independent analysis where we kind of just drove around the area, right? So you know, just get out and get on the ground there, try drive around and, and get a feel for it, see, see what's happening in the area and get eyes out there. So um, when we did that, we used, uh, you know, independent analysis combined was like a, a SWOT, which was a strength, weakness, um, opportunity, threat um, assessment. And we used the five forces analysis, which was, um, you know, threat of entry, threat of rivalry, um, threat of substitutes. And, um, you know, the, I'm blanking on uh, the other two there, but uh, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll have to circle back around. But basically just analyzes each one. You know, a substitute would be something like yoga. Right. So we knew there was yoga studios around, but they wouldn't really replace a gym, but they could take market share because 
they offered um, yoga, which is a form of exercise as a substitute to the gym. So um, we just looked at all the angles there and, and try to, you know, uh, make sure that we had that positioning, even though those were present. No, I, I think that definitely make, or makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like both, you know, you had a, a great team behind you, had a lot of experience and it made it, uh, you know, a better process as far as figuring that out. So now, as you kind of said, okay, we've got a better idea of the industry, what uh, promotions are we offering, what price points, how can we do something different, how can we do something better, find that perfect location, go through all of that analysis. And then, you know, kind of the next thing we talked about was almost strategic planning and implementation. In other words, how do you do take all of that data and start to formulate the plan and how do, you know, and, and as a gem, even a broader question, how do other business do that? So if they go out, they do all that competitive analysis, they get all the data they have as, you know, as best, you know, never going to be a perfect data set. You're never going to have all the information, but as much as you can re reasonably gather, how did you, you know, how did you then take all of that and formulate your strategy? You know, it's a great question. We, when we met in the beginning, there was, I mean, it's still three of us and, and we would, we would form, we would kind of meet on a weekly basis, daily basis and, and sort of talk about where we were headed, right? So always forward thinking, always trying to innovate and, and figure out what the next step is, right? So, you know, what can we do better? What can we do different? So a lot of, you know, believe it or not, over 90% of of strategy doesn't get implemented properly, right? So we knew, um, you know, the, the way that we wanted to formulate it was to say, okay, um, not to get stuck in the analysis paralysis phase, right? So you're never going to have enough data, you're never going to have enough information. Um, but we knew, okay, if we met, and this was a viable thing that we could try, and if it didn't work out, we were able to pull out of it. So we did what's called like a real options analysis, right? So we, we said, okay, let's let's get this thing going and we'll invest this much, you know, a little bit, a small amount. And if it works, great. If not, we bail, right? And it allowed us to, you know, um, you know, what's called a rapid, uh, you know, rapid failure, right? Or rapid growth. We, we try to immediately come out with a, you know, minimum viable product, get it going, see if it works. If it doesn't, you know, retreat, come back, reformulate and try again. So we, we just met and, you know, it ensued a lot of uh, disagreements, arguments and, um, you know, but the beauty of it was it, in comparison to large organizations as small business owners, you don't have a lot of um, obstacles to, to cross, it's just you and whoever you're involved with, whether it's yourself and your business partner. So we just quickly got to solutions and figured out if it made sense for the, the, the customer, the member, and we were able to still profit, then this was something that would um, would be, you know, viable. So now you take that. And so now how do you extrapolate that for other businesses, right? In other words, how do they gather that data, work for their planning and implementation? Because, it, you know, to some degree, every industry is different. You had a lot of the tools and that are the same. So kind of having gone through that and figured that out and gone through and taken pretty, what sounds like pretty in-depth process, what are some of the takeaways or what are some of the things that people should be looking at or, or working to implement as they're looking to say, hey, is this a good idea and how do we implement it and what should we be considering? Any thoughts or takeaways? Yeah, you know, it's um, it's a great question there. So the the most important thing is to remember your your product, right, or what your offer is and the um, is it in line with the, the mission, values, peoples, and process, your capabilities as an organization? Is this something that, um, you're staying true to, right, to yourself and to your company. And uh, to not get stuck in 
the research phase too long, right? Um, the most th important thing to do is what they call the critical um, step to success, which is, you know, taking action on the strategy you do choose. And, you know, starting off with, you know, not too much of um, a risk overhead and seeing if the demand is out there. So I always like to test demand first, right? Is the, is the demand there? And can we fill the need with the demand? So I think that's important before you start anything is to, you know, do like um, some surveying and some some research into, you know, pay pay the cost of what it, somebody to do that analysis for you and give you the data and say, OK, I have this now. Um, the demand is there. People do want, you know, for example, team or group training. We have it now. Let's launch this instead of, you know, coming up with the idea and then kind of blindly going at it that way. So, you know, don't get stuck in the research phase implement, um, you know, low overhead strategies and then reformulate if need be. No, I think that that uh, definitely, because what, what, you know, you always, you, typically you have two sides of the extreme, right? One side of the extreme is, hey, we're just going to fly by the seat of our pants. We're not going to do any data or analysis. We'll, we, we have a gut feeling. We know this is right. And, you know, gut feelings are great. And you should, you know, that you can always factor that in, but you should have something to back it up and make the decision so that you're not purely just going off your gut. And by the other token, you can also say, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to research this out and you're always continually researching and ever implementing and ever doing. And so it never, all that research doesn't actually or implement or, you know, come into fruition with any action and it doesn't do you any good either. So there is that balancing effect if you have to say, hey, we're going to gather as much regional data as needs to be to make this decision. It's not going to be perfect. And then we're going to move forward nonetheless in order to um, continue to try things out and continue to improve it. So now we'll shift gears just a little bit because one of the other things we talked about is that you guys have done is, you know, look to build, or as you build the business to build a culture and also to build a team. And that kind of is two parts. One is, you know, you have, you have business partners and you're trying to find your position within the business partners and where you are with the company and how you delegate. And then you're also bringing new people on that are employees and aren't going to be partners, but you're wanting to further that culture to the employees as you bring them on. So kind of how did you go about both within your business partners and then as, as a, as a company grows to keep that culture? Yeah, it's it's a great question, man. The you know the being it that the business is you know essentially comprised of what you know people, processes, and systems, right? Is you know are the people that you're hiring in line with the overall messaging or organizational direction of, if you will, uh, where we're headed, right? Do they do they love fitness? Do they like working out? Do they have a story? Um, do they want to help people and are they people uh, persons or people's people right <laughs> and that's you know we look for that right so you know are they, they easy to get along with and talk to are they reasonable are they process things well and uh, we, we kind of just went for the um, the ones that just kind of were <sighs> easy best way for me to say is it easy to get along with you know was it was it easy to uh, communicate and and did we share the same ideas and values there? So I think the value alignment's key, which is, you know, for us, it's, it's growth um, initiative, right? And, you know, um, there's a lot of freedom involved in it too. Everybody has kind of their own schedule and um, we, don't, we don't mandate things on them and 
we allow them to come from that place of, you know, responsibility. So, you know, freedom and responsibility within the framework is what we always try to say there and, and having them have that autonomy. So um, once those things kind of click, you just kind of, it's hard to describe, but you kind of just get a good feeling about it. You know, you're like this person, um, it's easy. We, we get along. It's cool. The interview is a big, a big thing there. So, um, a lot of it has to do with just that, that gym culture, which is just a sense of camaraderie and, and coming together. And, you know, some people come there for, for therapy and they talk and you hear stories in there. And I think it's just fitting in with, with that, that population. No, I think that uh, definitely makes, it makes sense. And, and finding those people, you know, you're always looking for someone that you can get along with. You're going to be working with them for a long period of time. And you're, a lot of times, as, as I said, it's every bit as much as, as, as a marriage in the sense you're going to be seeing them sometimes a lot more than you do your spouse or your kids, especially when you're getting a business up and going. And that's a lot of your likelihood. And yet you spend a whole lot more time dating, courting, and figuring out who you're going to marry than a lot of times who you bring on as a partner or who you bring on as going to be a long-term yeah. associate. Now, one question I'll ask is, you know, and I'd say most business owners learn this and they have to, to some degree, figure it out the hard way. Is there, is there anybody that you brought on? You don't need to get into names or details that, you know, as much as you don't, as you feel or don't feel comfortable, but that weren't good hires or weren't a good fit from the culture. And then did you, what, what did you learn about the hiring process as, fine, as far mm. as finding that fit or finding yeah. that fit? Yeah, definitely. You know, some of our, in our Northern California, um, you know, the, we, we looked at, we did have that obviously and, and dealing with, you know, 15 to 20 employees was, was a challenge in that. So we, we learned a lot in, um, you know, hiring basically as quickly as we could to develop them and onboard them. Right. So, and, and learning in that phase, okay, not just hiring out of convenience, right? Not just hiring because we we are, you know, not, we don't have a big pool of talent. Let's just go for it and we will figure it out and hopefully they'll work out. You know, you never want to get to that point where you're you're kind of setting, I don't want to say settling, but, you know, in, in lack of better words, settling for just because you, you have a fear that you may not get another person is to quickly hire. So taking your time, right? So we, we learned that, you know, if we weren't stoked or excited, about the person coming on, we just said, you know what, this, this probably isn't a good fit. It's not easy. It doesn't sound like it's going to be easy. So let's, let's move on. Um, the onboarding phase is critical. Um, having that employer team member feel like they belong as part of the organization and um, having them to, uh, you know, showing them of the process of it and having them feel, you know, connection right away what was huge to, as far as like retaining them. Um, constant development, you know, always uh, investing in their in their growth, whether it be through business books, um, seminars, and you know, training on site, was to always invest in their education to to make sure that they're learning and, and growing consistently. Um, and and that was kind of the things we learned there. And um, you know, documentation obviously is huge. Uh, we, you have to document and talk about everything and, and doing everything kind of by the book on that end. So, you know, we, we learned a lot in that, in that way of um, organizational um, stuff, structure, and then getting things, you know, um, on paper. So, you know, it's, you just learn a lot with a kind of trial by fire, so to speak. And um, thankfully, we didn't have any negative experiences. And, um, but we learned a lot with every, every hire. And, and when hires leave, we, we ask ourselves, you know, what happened here? What, 
what went wrong? Why did this person not stay or not stick around? And it's, so it's now called, I'm going to ask the follow-up yeah. question, which is what were some of the things that did go wrong or cause that belief or cause you to let someone go? You know, it was, you know, missing the things that sort of, they give you clues on. So they say, Hey, you know, I, you know, um, don't know this thing here. I don't know X or I'm not available during these times. And, you know, the, the lack of communication on our end was, um, you know, trying to make them into what we wanted them to be rather than having them fall into their, their own natural strengths. Right. So the, the hiring process is so critical that we said, okay, from now on, we got to make sure we have alignment before we move on and hire them. So, so lapses in communication, um, not kind of, um, you know, hiring out of convenience and then trying to uh, take them to where you want them to be rather than them already being there with their capabilities and what they're capable of. So, you know, um, trying to make someone uh, be something that they don't aren't passionate about being right. So that you want that already there and you want them to be proactive to bring that to the team. No, and I think that that definitely makes sense. And one of the things you hit on earlier is I think one of the things that I, I probably found out uh, early or earlier on that uh, that I did was doing wrong was on the idea of um, wanting to hire someone too quickly, because a lot of times you get, you know, first of all, I think you get into it and you think, oh, everybody's going to work as hard as I am and everybody's going to be as dedicated and everybody's going to be excited and for the opportunity. And then you hire someone, you're like, well, they're not quite as excited as I am and not, nothing against them because, you know, they don't have the same, hey, they're not the founder, they're not the co-founder, they're not an owner. And so they're there for different motivations and different reasons. And the things that get you excited about the business probably don't resonate with them. But then even getting into, you know, oh, everybody's going to work as hard as I am and they're they're going to do a good job. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I think that too often you get into, hey, I'm just going to hire someone quickly because we need someone to fill a seat. And we're overwhelmed and we can't keep up with things. And those are the times I think that you tend to make the worst hires is when you're rushing the process, you're not slowing it down, you're looking for someone, you're settling and you're taking, you know, taking what is available. And sometimes, you know, that works out great. You get lucky. And a lot of times you're saying, hey, I really this, we we should have slowed this down in the beginning because we knew that it wasn't going to work out, but we're kind of overlooking things because we're in a crunch or in a bind. Right, right. And, and to touch up on that too, I think, uh, you know, you brought some good points is the, um, the leadership and management um, components, right? I think, in the beginning phase, it's easy as, you know, small business owners to, like you said, you know, they're going to work as hard as me and just kind of assume. Um, so I think the, you know, showing them that that leadership side, which is, you know, the some of the softer skills, right, getting to know them um, and and befriending them is is always helpful, you know, getting to know your team. Uh, hanging out with them, doing stuff together. So we, we do activities all the time and, and parties and stuff like that to reward, you know, so, some of the things that great things that they've done, because we just wouldn't be anywhere without, you know, just just team members and solid team members. So um, the leadership component, getting to know your team members and the management side is is coming in and coaching when you need to make sure things are getting done the right way. Um, you know, my favorite quotes is, you know, leadership is, you know, doing uh, the right things and management is doing things right. And it's, it's making sure that they, they, that you verify the things that they do and teaching them and coaching them when they're not doing it right. So that things don't fall through the cracks and, and um, you know, expectations get met and then you don't have lapses in communication and loss of trust 
which leads to, you know, negative outcomes. So, you know, it's, it's, there's, you just got to kind of, I want to say, be there with them throughout the process and then, you know, slowly letting them go, like, you know, getting the training wheels off and letting them handle the, the bike on their own there, if you will. No, I, I definitely agree. So, well, as we're starting to wrap up and there's, you know, we had a thing or a lot of things we could have talked about. We hit through a lot of them and you know, always, always more things that I'd love to talk, chat about that we never quite have time. But as we start to wrap up the podcast, I always have one question at the end of each expert episode. So we'll go ahead and jump to that now, which is we talked about a lot of things, everything from doing competitive analysis and industry analysis to um, slowing down the process to building, you know, building the right team to doing, you know, implementation or planning and implementation to building the culture, all those various things. And there's a lot of great takeaways, a lot of things that you could get started on. And most of the time you're saying, well, there's a lot of things I could do, but I can't do them all today. So if there's just one thing, you know, something that if you were talking to a startup or a small business owner that was just getting started or looking to grow, what would be that one takeaway or the one thing they they should get started on? I always say that, you know, education and and research is is always key. If there's something you want to learn more of or, or get on is is, you know, double down your efforts on, on the understanding of what it is you're trying to do. Um, I always say that's, that's the, the best way. Sometimes, you know, information, the right information can, can be a game changer and it's out there. Right. And it's just about, it's about locating it. It's about getting it um, into your, into your hands and into your mind to, to use um, outwardly. And that's, you know, that could be a mentor that could be, um, you know, a business uh, strategy coach that could be, you know, anybody, a book. And, and it's just about getting it and, and then applying it. So, you know, get the knowledge and then apply what you're learning um, and, and into your business. Right. And, and then start small by by reducing risk there. And I think that's the most important step is, you know, business owners kind of have to be just, you know, voracious learners in today's um, uh, society today's you know, today's world and society as well is is, is constantly learning, constantly improving your skill set. You know, um, to stay relevant, I would say that the number one recommendation is, is, you know, don't don't stay complacent. Always get new information, to improve, and apply what you learn. No, and I think that's a great takeaway. I mean, one of the things that I think that you oftentimes get bogged down with is when you're when you're busy, especially with the startup, is there's a lot of things that are just not mundane, but have to get done. There are a lot of tasks. And so you start, you stop learning or you stop growing because you're focusing on getting everything done, which I get it. You have to get everything done. But if you, when you stop learning, once you stop growing, once you stop seeing what the industry is doing and how you can improve and getting feedback and learning and, and those type of things, then you start to or digress because you're not keeping ahead of what is others are doing and you're not keeping on the forefront. And so, you know, one of the things, my takeaway or, you know, kind of the thing I'd add on to that is one of the things I always do is I always go for a run uh, in the morning. I run about nine miles each morning and I'll I'll listen to a a podcast or I'll listen to a book on tape. And I usually those, you know, it's not just a, you know, interesting or fictional podcast, but it's always on something business related. And half the time when I come into the team and say, I was listening to this book or this podcast. And then you know, I, it took for a while. It took me to figure out, I stepped back and I'm like, you know, podcasts or the book really didn't have much related to what I, my thought was, but it spawned that idea, spurred that idea to, Hey, here's something that we could try out or think about. And it was kind of that continual learning. And sometimes it's, you learn something and other times it's just a genesis for an idea. And so I think always having that learning mentality and continuing to grow and continuing to analyze is, is a great, a great thing to keep ahead of the business. So 
Well, as people want to uh, reach out to, if they want to find out more, they want to be a franchisee, they want to be a customer, they want a client, they want to be coming into your gym, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Oh, yeah, thanks, man. It's, um, you know, my website is um, K-A-W-A-N-K-A-R-A-D-A-G-H-I, which is my first and last name, kawankiradagi.com. Um, and, you know, if people are interested, they can, you know, sign up to, um, I'm coming out with a book, so it'll be, it's about fitness, and you can find it on the website where they can come, and it'll be the called the, the 10 laws, or the 10 undisputed laws of fitness success. So it's more based on the workout side, but um, that's kind of, what we're what we're doing what i'm doing there and uh yeah come, come check me on the website drop me a line shoot me an email um and that's you know i'll be happy to respond uh, by, on my own there all right well i definitely encourage people to check it out and uh, look forward to the book going or going out and going live so that we can uh, read that as well and uh, continue to learn about fitness so well, thank you again, Quan, for coming on. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell, or your own expertise to share, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Make sure to, as a, as a listener, to subscribe and share as well so that everybody can find out about all of our awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Thanks, uh, thanks again, Quan, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, David.